It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Tuesday morning, the 14th of January. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. John Miles has uh, been driving a taxi in uh, the Drogheda area for the last 10 years or so. John is with us in uh, the studio this morning. I think you've uh, just left your hospital bed, John, have you? Yeah, yeah, just left it there this morning. At, I think it was four or five to let me out. Yeah, after being shot a after couple of times. Shot mm. on the back and was down through in one way and out the other way. Lucky enough, it didn't lodge me back. If I had I went a little bit further, I would have been paralysed for the rest of my life. Or if I hadn't atoned, I would have been killed. My kids would have been... Mm. Would have been... Uh, Orphaned. Mm. Would have been... Planning my funeral. Mm, yeah. Because people like that... Are, are, like, Where do you think you can go along and shoot people for what? Like, I done nothing wrong on anybody. I picked up a lad... And I end up getting shot where he gets out like a coward he is and ran. And it's me that's shot and it's me that's mm. suffering now. And it's me that has explained to my kids what happened and how it happened. Mm. And my daughter won't even go to school now. She's a tongue now she won't go to school. Because she's panicking. Mm. So what do you do after that? Where do you go after that? Well, these things you can do with you, like Wendy, like the people. And my natural reaction by torn saved my life here today I'm sitting here today because of that if I didn't torn I would have been paralysed I would have been killed because they thought I was great to go along and shoot mm. somebody when I had nothing got to do with and I want to clear my name as well because I'm being accused of stuff I didn't do and I can prove that to anybody that's willing to listen to me because I didn't do anything wrong I picked up a fail done my work and get shot for People on the internet are, are accusing you of accusing being involved me. in accusing drugs. Me in, in drugs, being mm. involved in drugs, which I never had. Mm. I never done in my life. I wouldn't allow it. And I'm being accused of it. Mm. It's the problem with the internet. People can say whatever they want without checking their facts or looking into it or say making things up if they want. Yeah. Mm. But while they're making that mm. hope, that's other people's livelihood they're dealing with. Yeah. 
It's them that deal with It's me that hurt. It's anyone else that hurt. They don't think. Mm. And it's about time they start thinking because at the end of the day, like I say, keep saying, I didn't do anything wrong on anybody. Mm. And without doing my day's work and that was it. And I ended up getting, getting shot for doing a day's work. And only for the guards who were there so quick. They were there within 10 seconds of it happening. And they had the ambulance there, I think, two or three minutes after that. What happened? You, you, you'd you picked up a fare. You had a man in the back and a woman in the front, I think. And you were on the bridge of peace at 20 past six. I was on the bridge of peace at 20 past six and a car cut me off. And before I know it, I'm looking to my left side and there's a gun pointed in the wind at me. There's two lanes of traffic. You're heading north, is that right? Yeah. Uh, and a car came on your left-hand side and cut across you, was it? Cut across me. And made you stop? Made me stop. I thought it was somebody that was just doing the usual to go across the train and overtake traffic. And I blew the heart on. And before I knew it, it was a lad pointing the gun. And he had got out of that car, did he? He got out of that car, yeah. And he was pointing the gun? Pointing the gun. So he walked up to you? He got out of the car and walked up to you? Walked up to the intended lad that was being shot. And because I was sitting there driving my car and he was in the front of the car we pointing at I don't want to know who done it. I don't care who done it. At this stage of my I don't I don't really care who done it but but they were pointing at him to do it he was getting and that was it. Because he scoured out across me and ran as me that got it. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't get my seatbelt off quick enough to get out. So because I turned as me that got it on the back and lucky enough it went in and back out again. It didn't stay in and it didn't lodge in me. And it was, if I had of, like I said, I wouldn't be here today. Was he wearing a mask? Oh, well covered up. Mm. Well covered up. Covered up. Hurry, mm. mask, the whole lot. Well covered up. Coward he is. Mm. And it was a, a pistol, was it? Pistol, yeah. Black pistol. Pointing at me. Mm. When you hear people talking about looking down the barrel of a gun, not many of us can testify to what happened. Not many of us can sit here and say yeah. And thank God the guards were trying to get me to settle down and sit down and I wouldn't because it was too interesting ringing me kids. Telling me, the mother, I didn't want them hearing second-hand information. And because I was on the phone to them and I was on the phone to my brother and all that, and the guards got me to sit down and relax. That's when it hit me then, that's when I started. Mm. But before that, nothing was hit me. I was out, well, I, I just couldn't. Mm. I, wanted to let, I wanted to tell them themselves. I wanted to say it to themselves. When the masked man approached you, though, pointing a gun at you, what did you think? Did you think this is this? Or? I didn't know what to think. He was pointing at who he was pointing at, and because he scoured across me to get out of the car, it started going towards me because they were getting, obviously going for him and getting him, and because he crossed me, it was aiming towards me because I didn't think he just pulled, and that was it. Mm. They didn't think I'd be on the other end of them when you see that point. That you, I don't want to know anybody. Just stop it all. Like, it's, it's enough. It's enough. Mm. How much more? Is it, what did you want to do? Kill someone that didn't do it? And the bullets came through the window. Straight through the window. And then it was only one bullet. It was only one because it was true. Like I said, the pierced in through me back out. Back out me back. So mm. I'm here to tell the tale, thank God. <laughs> it's some tale yeah. it's some tale to yeah. tell but mm-hmm. to be able to tell it 
like I said, like to be able to say it, that to hear a tell the tale, mm. and the kids aren't making arrangements, and my daughter ringing me all night, and his owners, they're all over the place now at the minute, but mm. we'll be grand, we'll get over We'll be grand, we'll have a good family out there, so. Yeah. You, you, you heard the bangs and then you felt something like that. I heard yeah, the bangs yeah. and mm. at that stage I could get the belt off because it was only me in the car. Mm. And when I stood up, the guards had come up. I was still standing talking on the phone and the guards had come up. And I just, see, was there anyone shot? say, yeah, me. And I could feel the heat come down my back and down mm. my body. Mm. And I knew then that was it. Yeah. You're remarkably well. I mean, to look at you, yeah. uh, I'm sure uh, you have wounds underneath your shirt uh, that I can't see, but to look at you, you look uh, perfectly well. But you must have thought, uh, I'm in big trouble here. I could die. I could be paralysed. God knows. I didn't know what to think. Yeah. I, I honestly didn't know what to think. All that through my head was the kids. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't want to think anything else. That was just being honest with you. I didn't want to think anything else. Just my kids is all I was thinking. Mm. And what, what would happen to them, like, you know, that, that's all I was thinking. Mm. I didn't think of anything else. I didn't worry about anything else. I didn't care about my car. I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't, didn't bother. I didn't even... It's just time I was worried about. Mm. I didn't want... I was, that's why I was on the phone. I didn't want them hearing second-hand information and having them panicking and they wanted to come up to me. I wouldn't let them come up to me. I said, no, he's going to come near me. I don't want you to see me like this. Just stay away. I'll keep the touch with you on the phone through mm. your mother. And I didn't want to see, let them see me sort of coming out of me now this morning thank God mm. and the way people are writing about you on the internet saying that it's you're wrong it's totally wrong yeah. mm. well it's insult to injury and very it bad is. injury gunshot injury it is yeah. yeah and it's an insult to me like yeah and your family at the end of the day that, like I have to think of them now they're, they're my problem now I have to think of what's going to happen now, who's going to say to them or what way they're going to react to it mm. and thank God they're too good kids like, they won't they take that with a pinch of salt but thank God for that. But it's still not as me that has to make sure they're okay and make sure they're, they're like, it's me that has to go down there and arrange stuff with them mm. to get somebody to talk to them. And it's me that has to do all this now to try and get them over this, even though I'm, I'll be grand once they're okay. Mm. <laughs> uh, what did the hospital say to you before you left? Or did you discharge yourself? No, or did no, they discharge you? There's, yeah. nothing, mm-hmm. there's nothing more they can do for me because it didn't, everything was showed up real clear and everything right. showed up perfect. Mm. And they couldn't do, they could not do any more than what they'd done. They were amazing. They were, when I went in there, they were waiting for me. When I was straight in, like I said, even the guards were there. Within seconds, the guards were there. Within literally within seconds, the guards mm. were there. And I think I got ticked with poor Andrew but he rang me this morning but he, he said just take care of yourself I think I take with him last night but he said don't worry about it as long as you're okay the superintendent <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. lovely man a lovely man mm. now. He, he was now he, mm. and he rang he rang me this morning straight away to see how I was and mm. and the, the, the hospital couldn't do more than enough they couldn't do more than enough it's actually the most ironic part of it is that you were directly across from the guard station yeah uh, I mean, as the crow flies, you're you're looking through the windows at the guard station from. I was looking at, yeah, at the bridge yeah, yeah. across. Me yeah. and the phone to me, to me kids' mother. Mm. Me and the phone. 
tell her she says, no, you have to tell me, I'm not light. I'm looking at them and I'm looking at the guards mm. around in the van, I'm looking across. I'm looking everywhere. And realising then what happened to me then, I'm mm. saying... Jeez. And it says an awful lot about the nerve of these people. It also uh, explains why the guards were there in 10 seconds, as y- y- you said. Uh, but it says an awful lot about the nerve of these people that they would do this, that they would shoot somebody, uh, whether it's an unintended victim like yourself, but to shoot anybody uh, in front of a, a guard station or across the road from a guard station, if you like. Uh, and at that time of the day, 20 past six on the Bridge of Peace, I take it the traffic was bumper to bumper. How did they get away? I don't know. I don't know how they got away. I don't know, and that's that's that's. I, mm. I, I can't. I don't know. Yeah. Like to do what, you know, to do what he done. Like at the end of the day, have the nerve to do it. Yeah, but you like obviously they were watching. Obviously mm. they were watching him being picked up. Mm. I knew he wasn't being picked up by any joke. So, but the taxi man, like, yeah, you know, we're out there doing a day's work. Mm. If it's not one thing, it's another. And that, as a taxi man, I suppose that's what I'm saying to you, John. I mean, you know the Bridge of Peace better than anybody at yeah. that hour of the day. You don't move very no, quickly because there's cars bump. There's cars in your way. Yeah, it's bumper to bumper. Yeah. It's bumper to bumper. It's hard enough job doing mm. it. Unless they went up on the footpath or something, it's hard to imagine. They cut me off. Yeah, yeah. They cut me off. Yeah, and that probably gave a, a clear line because the traffic couldn't pass you or them for that matter. They cut me off and to get out and point the gun and people walking down the footpath. Mm. When I get out, there's people walking in the footpath, running over to see was he okay. And a, and a young man came running up the footpath. Well, if he had it come across, he could have got it. Because when, when they pointed at me, hmm. at the target, as the fella said, but obviously I got to the other end of it. But when they pointed at hmm. him and didn't think twice, like they had a point and then coved over the, towards him. Hmm. And he cowered out across me, and but they could have got. There was innocent people walking up that footpath. There was people walking down the footpath. Mm. Could have got it. Could have got anything. Could have got it. Oh, and all of the other cars. I mean, the bullets yeah. can ricochet and all of yeah. that. Yeah, they could have got. There was a car behind yeah. me. There was a car in front of me. There was cars coming down, the opposite side. I was going to turn out onto the opposite side and said, "No, take uh, quick thinking again. If I turn out there, I'm going to cause an accident somewhere else." Mm. So I just said, "No, I'll just take the blunt of it." hope for the best mm. and I'm here to say today I'm here today to, to tell the story but someone else mightn't be yeah someone and, else mightn't be and the fella who was the target who was your passenger in your back seat saw front them seat. coming he, oh he was in the front seat he was, was in he? the front seat oh I'm sorry right and his girlfriend was, was in, the in the back seat. seat so when he saw the gunman coming uh, he made a, a move which is why you end up getting shot but then he got out and ran to the guard station for protection, was it? Yeah, he got out across me. He managed to get out. I don't know how he got out until I was told he got out across me. God. He got across my body, and I was still trying to get the seatbelt off after getting shot. Couldn't get it off. Maybe that's why I couldn't get it off. He got out across me. And his girlfriend got out the back side, the right-hand side of the back of the car. She got out, and the two of them ran and left me there. But I was dead and alive, I didn't go. You could have bled to death. Could have bled to death because they do what they do because they can't do an honest day's work. And we all have to suffer because of what they're doing. It's us that has to suffer. 
You're driving a, a taxi for 10 years. Uh, the country has changed. Rata has certainly changed in the course of the last 10 years. But over the last 10 years, it, it's always been a, a job that poses challenges. Uh, and you'll pick up on rule customers and sometimes you will, you get fellas trying to I'll... rob you and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but we've heard taxi drivers recently say there's certain houses they won't go to, certain areas they won't go to. Uh, will this yeah. make you think? I won't go to certain places. <laughs> I won't go to it. I'll say no because you know what the house is like and I won't do it because you don't know what's going to happen and it's hard enough as I say for every taxi man it's hard enough job doing it having to put up with people but it's what we do you can't hold everybody with the ones or, or tire everybody mm. with the ones or whatever we want to put it you can't do that we all have to do a job they need to get from A to B they need us to get them from A to B and if we can we'll do it mm. and we do the best we can do it but because places, no, I just will refuse to go in and pick up. And it's not because it, the people, it's because of where they live. And and did you have any hesitation about taking up that fare last night? I did, I did. I said, it. I was dropping beside and I said, look, I'll pick it up. If we want off, I'll pick it up. I'll take a chance, I'll pick it up. Again, thinking maybe... No, what's, so what's going to happen is, t- is too busy mm. it's dark so mm. I didn't know my car he was pretty much getting into my car mm. obviously because I only went one route and I was out and down the low road so they had to be watching him and because of watching him I am where I am today car in the garage yeah. and me shot Yeah, nearly in the graveyard nearly mm. me kids nearly planning me well, oh, thank God I'm not. Mm. Do you think you're in a, a state of shock at the moment? Uh, I mean, the taxi drivers uh, in Drogheda, like any other town, are the eyes and ears of the town and to a large degree you play a, a role in protecting people of the town because you're always there with information and you know what's going on and that information often channels through the taxi drivers. Uh, you've been watching this for a, a long period of time and you've been hearing about people's fears and anxieties but now here you are the victim uh, and I, I take it that apart from what you've gone through uh, and not never thinking that this would happen to you, uh, you, you you've got to come to terms with it because... You're, you're sitting here telling I'm me that your kids here. aren't arranging your funeral. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I have no choice. I am shocked. But I have no choice. I have to get on. I'm there for them. I have to keep going. If I don't go, they won't go. Mm. So I have to keep going for them. It's them that's keeping me going and my family's keeping me going. Mm. And if it wasn't for them, and... And you're here for your family. That's why you said to me before you came in this morning. You said you're here. I'm here because the story. To clear your name. And I yeah, want to clear yeah, my name. Yeah, yeah. I've and done you, nothing wrong. Mm. Only went out and done a day's walk at seven o'clock yesterday morning. Mm. I'm done a day's walk, and I'm here now today. Lucky to be here today, trying to clear my name because it's something I didn't do. Only pick up a customer. Probably shouldn't have picked up, but I picked him up. Being what is what we do is what we do. We like doing it. Probably not, mm. no, but we do because it's our job to do it. An innocent man caught in the crossfire. Crossfire. Uh, we very nearly saw the same happen with children up in Terminapi. We very nearly saw the same uh, on Hardman's Gardens. Uh, a woman just dodged a, a bullet, as we all know, and there was a lot of concern that something similar could have happened up on the M1 retail park. 
I mean, as somebody who has uh, become the closest to an innocent victim in all of this, uh, to an innocent fatality, you are an innocent victim, but to an innocent fatality, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts this morning uh, in terms of how this is policed or how somebody brings a halt to it? Well, they need to stop. Just give it a rest and stop. If they're not happy with that, just go into a field altogether and do what you have to do. Don't bring anybody else down with them. Like, we didn't ask for this and we don't want it. None of us want this. We go out and do a day's work. That's all we want to do. We don't want any of this. Like, how much more is going to happen before somebody is actually killed and something goes across and kills a child or something? Mm. Like, I was going to bring my daughter last night with me because she comes out to me on a Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. And I said, no, I'll, I'll go back around and I collect you. She could have been in the back of that car. But because who was bringing I said, no, I'll... I'll collect her on the way back. And because... She, she could have been in the back of that cat and because who was picking up I said no I'll leave it be I'll just do my job I'll get it done I'll go back and I'll get you she she, she could have been in and that's going through my head that's in my head the whole until I get something together there the fella said <laughs> mm. but just stop it like just stop enough's enough people can't take it anymore just give it up like I said, if you if you want to do it, go into a field and just do it yourself and let everybody yeah. get on with their lives. Mm. And then it goes quiet for a while and then it starts again. Yeah. Yeah. And who else is it going to be? Yeah. Who else is it going to be? Okay, John, well, listen, um, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are glad you were alive. Uh, you might want to reiterate, because I know the reason you came in was to let everybody know that you're not involved in drugs or the drug trade or involved in any of the gangs. Uh, no. And you'd ask people to stop saying that about you. On stop the putting up on Facebook yeah. and stop WhatsApping up. And stop, because I had nothing got to do with that. I won't even go and get fags with people. So why would I want to do anything got to do with that? It's wrong what they're saying, and it's my life to mess them, and it's my kids' lives to mess them. Mm. They're saying that it's their lives, and it's my life to mess them, and they're playing it. So I'm just asking, just give it a rest and stop. I've nothing got to do with it, and I will have nothing got to do with it. And it's me that has to get over this now in the next couple of weeks, and it's me that has to deal with them, with my two kids, and that's all I'm worried about. So just stop on Facebook with that, because I've nothing got to do with it. That's all I'd say. Yeah. You're holding yourself there. You're sore, obviously, yeah. from uh, very, the wounds. Very, very, yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. It's like a while to get over it physically, apart from mentally. Well, hopefully, he mm. said, mm. in three weeks, and my sister's there, so it just mm. has to be dressed, so thank God my yeah. sister's there. That's you out of work, I take it, for three weeks, is it? You know, apart from anything else, it's your livelihood. Well, I, yeah, well, I will be at work for three weeks. I'll see how good on. I can't stay at home. I can't settle. Mm. <laughs> Fair he says to be there yeah, to look after yeah. me. Give out to me. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people that'll be looking out for you, John. Uh, mind yourself. Uh, thanks for coming into us. No bother. Thanks very okay, much. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Taxi driver John Miles. Michael Reed on LMFM. Stephen Brain, crime editor with uh, the Irish Sun, is on uh, the telephone. Good morning, Stephen, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, You were listening to John Miles there. He's a a man who is certainly lucky to be alive this morning. Oh, he's very lucky to be alive, and what a very brave man for coming on the radio, Michael, and explaining and reflecting and letting people know the reality of Gainan crime. And that reality is that innocent people often get caught up in this. And I think it's only through the grace of God that that poor man who is totally innocent 
not involved in any criminality whatsoever, has no links to any of these gangs, you know, has caught up in this. And he, But it also shows you the reckless nature of it in broad daylight. And as this feud has been going on for well over a year now, it's, it's just a miracle that other innocent people haven't been caught up in this. You, you mentioned there about the previous incidents where, mm. you know, men, two men lost their lives, shots fired at other men outside uh, retail stores. Um, automatic weapons used in broad daylight as people worked on homes, uh, bombs left in uh, residential areas. And uh, I think now that this brings home the reality of how innocent people can't get caught up in this, but it also shows that these individuals don't care about the community and the people of Drogheda and and Mm. County Louth. Well, as John said, they had to have followed him. Uh, they, this, the, the, the intended target got into a taxi uh, and uh, the gunman uh, and whoever he was with must have followed the taxi knowing that he, he was being driven by a taxi driver somebody who wasn't involved in this feud somebody who they wouldn't have targeted but still they walked up the street and fired directly at that car not knowing where those bullets would land that doesn't matter to them. Human life means nothing to them, and we have to emphasise this here. You know, when the guards are out there on a daily basis now, since this feud started, you know, the guardy have made numerous successes. They've seized firearms, they've seized drugs, they've made major arrests, they've stopped people on their way that they believe are going to carry out uh, murders. They've, you know, swamped various areas after receiving intelligence. You know, with armed guardy, the armed support unit have been out there, but still, despite the guard successes, despite the major guard reaction to this feud, these people are still intent on wiping each other out and they don't care about the community. The only thing that matters to them is the uh, drugs industry. Mm. It's about profit, it's about control, it's about flexing their muscles, you know, protecting their turf. And again, you know, as... And their own hide. Uh, I mean, John's story is incredible. Not only did this fellow crawl out over him, but then he ran to the Garda station looking for protection. Correct. And that, look, the, people shouldn't be surprised by this. I mean, this has been going on for, for uh, you know, years. You know, anyone involved in organised crime, they do not care about the community. They do not care about innocent people. Innocent people over the years in Ireland and indeed across Europe have been caught up in this madness. I mean, only at Christmas time there I interviewed uh, Anthony Campbell's mother, a young man who was murdered just because he witnessed a shooting. You know, it's horrendous. And John, but thankfully on this occasion that he has survived this this terrible ordeal. He's very lucky. So yes, he could have been paralysed. You know, he could have been killed as he said there his kids could have been arranging his funeral for today but then again the people who did this will go back to their their their, their lairs they will they will get together again and they'll be plotting their next attack so they will and this is despite the huge guard of presence in the area and despite the huge successes that the guardy have had in disrupting their criminal activities it, it doesn't matter the, the intent yeah. is still there well in fairness to the guards I mean I think it has to be said quite often we'd say where were they uh, this happened right outside the guard station these fellas don't give a damn they, they don't and that, that shows the intent once you have someone who's involved in organised mm. crime once you give them a gun and you uh, offer them money or drugs or, or whatever it is once the intent is there it's very hard to stop this I mean the guards have been swamping that area a very visible policing presence there and as I mentioned previously have had some huge successes guns seized people arrested people up in serious charges and despite this there are individuals in that community part of these criminal gangs who are intent on still maintaining this feud without consideration for their fellow citizens they, they, they just don't care and that's the reality and, and people have to okay. accept that they just don't care about you know other uh, families you know women children pensioners it doesn't mm. matter to them 
Well, I, I think uh, John Miles needs to be congratulated uh, for the bravery that he has shown uh, this morning, leaving his hospital bed to come in here to tell his story, a story that will undoubtedly resonate with people and bring home the reality of what has been happening now for uh, around three years in uh, the town of Drogheda and how people are in danger and uh, continue to be in danger for as long as uh, these fellas are at large. Stephen, we leave it there for the moment, though, and thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. That's uh, Stephen Breen, crime editor with The Irish Sun. Michael Reed on LMFM. Normally on Tuesday mornings, Leo Vradker meets uh, with uh, government ministers who are members of uh, the Fine Gael party. That meeting usually takes place at 9am. Then at half 10, that group meets with uh, the independent ministers for a full meeting of government. But uh, the meeting with uh, the Fine Gael ministers was cancelled this morning. Instead, a full cabinet meeting got underway at 9 o'clock. Sean Defoe, our political correspondent, is on the line. Good morning, Sean, and thanks for joining us. Are we to read anything into that? Uh, possibly, certainly some indications this morning. I uh, seem to think that there's a good chance that Tisha could go to the park today and, in fact, call that election this morning after the, that meeting. He usually briefs his Finnegan colleagues, as you were mentioning before. He talks to the wider cabinet today that was sent to him, and they were all talking together. And realistically, if he's going to give the date, he knows that will be leaked out and that will be available to everyone uh, from this afternoon if he tells all his ministers. So there now is an expectation that after that cabinet meeting, that he may go and speak to the opposition leaders, maybe Fianna Fáil, even though at this moment, Michal Martin has nothing in his diary. But someone who has nothing else in his diary today is President Michael D. Higgins. He has a free day at the Aura. So speculation has been mounting. But of course, we've been speculating for more than a week as to when it will be. It could be today or it could drag out till Thursday. Mm. Uh, the expectation had been uh, that uh, the doll would sit uh, again tomorrow afternoon. That would uh, be the first day back after the Christmas holidays. Uh, but if uh, the Taoiseach goes to the park today, that's it. And it's game on. No uh, resumption of uh, the Oireachtas uh, and uh, we're straight into an election campaign, I take it. Uh, yeah, and there's a few things we would know. If he called it today, then the uh, election would have to be, assuming it's going to be on a Friday, which it almost always is, the election would have to be on the 7th. If he waits until Thursday, it could be on the 14th. Now, Independent Minister Catherine Zapone, on her way into Cabinet this morning, did say that she thought it would be the 14th of February that we have the election. That he should may hold out a few more days, but of course, the only person who knows is Leo Varadkar himself. That there has been some unquiet because at the moment, the way that electoral registers work, everyone who's actually registered to vote in the last year isn't necessarily entitled to vote in this election because the new updated list of registered voters doesn't come into effect until February uh, 15th. And some TDs, including Fianna Fáil's Sean Fleming, have called for the Dáil to resume tomorrow in order to vote through so that that can happen and all those people can be on the register. But there are workarounds that each of the councils could do to make sure that those people could vote. So some reason for the Dáil to resume. But a lot of people are thinking now it might not. Mm. Uh, because uh, the Dáil uh, could enact uh, some form of legislation which would uh, allow those voters to vote before the 15th of February. It could. It could just very, very simply change uh, the rule around it or adopt the the electoral register itself. But there are workarounds to it. Each of the councils could decide to uh, adopt the registers that they have, even though they don't formally take effect until February 14th. Or people could apply themselves to the supplementary register which would mean having to apply once again to vote. It's somewhat cumbersome for some people, but it could be done. I don't think it will be seen mm. as a, a key reason not to call the election today. 
if that's what Mr. Varadkar has decided. All right. Uh, what about the uh, visit of uh, the President of the European Commission? A lot of people had uh, thought that uh, he would uh, meet with Ursula von der Leyen and take a lot of credit for Brexit uh, and how successful all of that has been uh, before uh, announcing the election date. Yeah, and he may well do. I don't think Ursula von der Leyen would particularly thank him if the press conference they have scheduled for tomorrow evening was entirely about the election that's going to happen here. And if she was drawn into domestic politics, she's meant to be above that and not get involved in the politics of any of the individual nation states involved in the uh, EU project as her role as Commission President. Uh, But it's happened before where at these kind of events, a caretaker Taoiseach has represented the government. We only need to go back to 2016 when Enda Kenny visited the White House and uh, the president there as a caretaker Taoiseach while trying to form a government and made just a quick visit. So does it actually make a huge amount of difference whether tomorrow night uh, Leo Varadkar is the official Taoiseach for a day longer or is the caretaker Taoiseach? Uh, I'm not sure would it be reason enough to stop. But again, Ursula von der Leyen is someone that the government needs on their side and uh, you don't exactly want to snub her tomorrow night at dinner by calling an election and raining on the parade. All right, well, that's a a lot of ifs, buts and maybes. uh, Some clarity, uh, perhaps towards lunchtime, I I take it. Yes, the cabinet meeting's ongoing at the moment. Uh, We're starting to get small indications from it, but nothing concrete. And uh, look, the whole political world has been eating itself alive (laughs) over the last week trying to decide Mm. when this is going to be. There's one man who knows. He's maybe telling... 15 more people who will then know and maybe the rest of us will find out then this afternoon. Okay, thanks very much, Sean. Sean Defoe, our political correspondent. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. If it happens in the Northeast, it's on LMFM. Text now on 086-1800-658. Now, let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Cairns uh, joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages uh, that have been coming to us uh, this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Michael, and lots of them coming in in relation to the shooting and that interview, Michael, at the top of the show with the taxi driver and phoned in to compliment him and delighted that LMFM Radio gave him the opportunity for him to tell his story. He is a very good, brave man and I would like to tell him to ignore those people on Facebook and do not heed them. God love him, says Anne. Uh, Michelle phoned in to say that it's shocking what taxi drivers have to endure in the town. All they are doing, Michael, is trying to make a living. Her own father is a taxi driver and you're afraid of your life every time they go out because you don't know what they are going to come up against and people should take heed of that and wishes um, John uh, a speedy recovery. Uh, Paddy says that apparently uh, there was a... A car that was involved in the shooting last night found burned out in Dundalk. How did the car get all the way to Dundalk and nobody noticed the car? Just wondering, can more not be done to get Gardy on the streets and putting up roadblocks? Well, as I said to John earlier on, I don't know how it managed uh, to escape from the Bridge of Peace because at that hour of the evening, the traffic is bumper to bumper. The Mayor of Drogheda, Paul Bell, is with us in the studio. Good morning to you, Mayor, and thanks for, for coming in. Good morning, Michael. This morning, yeah, you were listening to John yes. Miles' interview on the program mm-hmm. uh, this morning. It's a, a shocking tale of absolutely. Ever. Well, Michael, in my line of work, it's very seldom you get a real opportunity to meet a brave person. And uh, post that interview, I had the opportunity to meet John uh, and to reassure him of a couple of things in relation to his reputation, which he's deeply concerned about. And obviously, the shock of it, the incident last night is bad enough. 
but he's concerned about the reputation mm. of himself and his family. Well, that's why he left yeah. his hospital bed to come up to Absolutely. the radio station to tell people that he's not involved yeah. in the feud because he's concerned about his reputation and mm. what his family, his family here. Okay, so just, as mayor of Drogheda, it's my job to try and make sure that I protect and support citizens where I can. So I know John Miles, I know his family, and I want to make this quite clear. John Miles is not a criminal. What John Miles is, is a hard-working person trying to support his family, walking very, very unsocial hours, uh, doing the very best he can as a citizen, doing the very best he can for his family. Yeah. And that's what John Miles is. That's an example to, of what a citizen is and what goes on every day for most of us, except those involved in this partic- particular type of uh, crime that's ongoing at the moment. Yeah. I also want to say something to the people who frequent social media. Uh, as a person who's been subjected to some of this behaviour myself, not to the level John has in fairness, uh, those people need to understand that they have a, a place in society uh, and it's not their job to be judging jury on anybody. And some of the commentary on social media last night is absolutely staggering. At the end of the day, an innocent person has been hit. Uh, that person could have lost his life. The family could have suffered a great loss. Um the Garda Shirkana will investigate, obviously, the circumstances surrounding the attack. Uh, and, and we always hope, oh. of course, that they will get a conviction in this regard. If people want to help the situation, I've always said it, it's not just a Garda Shirkana issue, it's also a community issue. And what happened last night is absolutely shocking. It's shocking for a number of reasons that you've raised, Michael, oh. this morning. Oh. First of all, it happens in a crowded area. Secondly, it's within view of the Garda station. Oh. Oh. And you could look at the white of the eyes of the Gardaí from where that car was well, parked. And, and obviously, this is of deep concern. Mm. But it does show a determination on people who are involved in this kind of crime that we are well aware of it. And some of the crimes you described this morning in the lead-up mm. involving this this, this um, uh, feud mm. clearly demonstrates public areas doesn't really matter. Lives at risk. Innocent people involved in this doesn't really matter. Mm. We're outside the law. We'll do as we please. Mm. Now, uh, I'm listening to some politicians this morning, and I need to say this. I'm I'm a public representative. Mm. I'm elected by Mm. the people of Drogheda to serve, and I'm very proud to do so. But this constant thing of calling on Garda Shirkana to redouble their efforts. uh, No, we as a community have a contribution to make here. Uh, at the end of the day, we all want law and order in our society. Uh, the, the the majority of citizens want to go about their daily business, uh, whether it's their, their walk or whether mm. it's their recreation activities or whatever they do. That's what they want. Yeah, some of them don't care. Some of them are just know-alls and they sit down at computers and write things about yeah. people which are completely untrue, which they just made up or heard somebody else yeah. say. And that's the type of uh, vilification that mm. John has endured yeah. as a result of all of this. Mm. Others do believe that the guards... Uh, could or should or wish that they might be able to do more uh, and yes. then there are some uh, as you say yeah. who believe that the community can come together to yeah. help to bring about an end to all well, of anywhere, this. Well anywhere mm. in, in Ireland mm. where this issue has been addressed is a combination of citizens, communities and law enforcement. Mm. Uh, there's nothing else to say about that. Uh, I do think that some of the legislation that's in place at the moment is not really going to ever mm. be able to tackle some of this crime. Uh, this, this this crime is, for want of a better term, it's, it's of an organised and subversive mm. nature. They're fearless uh, un- un- unless they're being targeted mm. uh, and then they're very afraid. Uh, yeah. It would seem uh, in the way that this fella crossed over John yeah. uh, to get out of the taxi and then ran to the guard station for protection. That was bizarre, wasn't it? Well, I have to say, listening to that story from John this morning, the man clearly 
repeating because it's vivid in his mind. Mm. Um, the description is quite shocking at the beginning where he was literally was abandoned in that vehicle. No one rang for help. Oh, left right? to die. So mm. that that gives you the benchmark yeah. of where that is, right? Mm. Now, then seeks the protection of the state mm. through Angada Shirkana. Some people would think that's a serious contradiction. Mm. Uh, but there you go. Okay. Uh, and in fairness to, to Gareth O'Connor, have to serve all the citizens equally as best they can. Okay, hold that thought for a minute, Mayor. Let's uh, hear some more of uh, the comments uh, that have been coming to us uh, on uh, the telephones. Uh, Marie, what else have people been saying? Yes, Jared says that when is the tit for tat shooting going to stop? People in the town are afraid of their lives. It's just terrible what is going on. And when you see this happening on such a busy road, as the Bridge of Peace, you realise that it could just happen mm. anywhere, Michael, at that time of day. That's the point that he was making. Mm. We had an email in for James who says, in relation to the shooting in Drogheda, it's nothing short of a disgrace that these people are allowed to breathe the same air as the rest of us. Both the intended target and those in the opposing gang have been making profit from poisoning people with their drugs. I know many people in Moneymore, and I can tell you they live in constant fear. They don't sleep at night. I believe that the Gardaí need to be on duty constantly around the clock in the estate and to have a permanent presence there, it would mean that the gang couldn't operate in the area. We are going to be hearing a lot of election promises from politicians in the run up to the election. But we must ask ourselves what has been done so far. My thoughts are with the taxi driver at Mm. this time, an innocent man who happens to be collateral damage of a mafia-style drugs war. Yeah, well put. Uh, I I think uh, there's a a very interesting point as well about how this shooting took place uh, and that if you were on the Bridge of Peace last night mm-hmm. uh, apart from uh, the questions we've been asking about how did the car get away and all that uh, there was nowhere for anybody else to go you were trapped you were stuck there because the traffic is bumper to bumper uh, and then this car cuts across and blocks the traffic from moving mm-hmm. and then a gunman gets out mm-hmm. now that's in a provincial town yeah. that should not happen uh, and perhaps it's wrong to say that everybody's afraid of their lives but maybe they should be well, where you have people who are outside the norms of society, that's what goes on, and people are genuinely fearful. There's just a couple of points that need to be made, and I, I noticed Marie reading out the commentary there, they, with reference to a, a particular estate in the in the town. And this, this needs to be said. This and money more. Yeah, this mm. issue is a, an issue in many estates, mm. in council estates, in private estates. Mm. That we, we need to be very clear about that. We can't obviously like the Gardaí corner will speak for themselves, but we all know we can't have a member of Gardaí corner at every corner of mm. of the uh, uh, of every street. We all accept that, but what we do know as as communities, like. Whatever types of crime that's been going on, to intimidation, harassment, mm. I've been one of the councillors who have never been afraid to say what I have to say mm. on behalf of the community and confront people involved in this yeah. or involved in, mm. a, in, in, in a situation whereby they believe that their yeah, and you know that there's people misery. living in Moneymore yeah. who are directly involved in this, and you know that there's been many attacks on Moneymore, and that's why yeah. Moneymore is being mentioned. I understand yeah. that, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to, to, to make this quite clear. Mm-hmm. This is not confined mm-hmm. to one mm-hmm. area. And by the way, there will be other people, Michael, that will tell you mm-hmm. this is happening in a private estate. This is happening mm. in such a, another estate. I'm only making the point that it's not confined. And by saying something, 
uh, well, it shouldn't happen in a provincial town. But we do know that these things have been happening because the drug trade is active in every town and village in this country. Mm. Uh, it has basically thrived over a 20 to 30 year period. And where we've end, ended up now is where we always expected that okay, we would. Okay, just to remind people listening to us, if you have uh, just tuned in, uh, John Miles is a, a taxi driver who was shot on the bridge of Peace last night. Uh, he left his hospital bed uh, this morning to come into the studio to tell us that story. And it was a very, very frightening story. The Mayor of Drogheda, Paul Bell, is with us. And Marie, you've uh, some more of uh, the calls and comments that have been yes, coming from Michael. people. Um, Sean phoned in to say that Michael, people outside of Drogheda may not know but that the Bridge of Peace is literally just a stone's throw away from the Drogheda Garda station. Clearly these people weren't afraid of being caught because the Gardaí could literally see the, can literally mm. see the Bridge of Peace if they look mm-hmm. out their window and that's very scary And for specifically, specifically where the shooting took place. You could look out of the window of the Garda station at the car as the gunman was shooting. It's directly across from the station. And that's the point that Sean is mm, yeah, making mm-hmm. and that makes it all the more scary because you wonder who are these people afraid mm-hmm. of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jimmy phoned in to say that this is New Ireland for us now. When Love Hate was on the television, Michael, we couldn't get enough of it. Now it's happening in real life. Okay. Just, be, a, just uh, a couple of points, Mike, if I could, I, yeah. to cut, cut into the time. First of all, the people of Drogheda have made it quite clear and that they expect that the Garda resources given by uh, on Garda Commissioner Drew Harris remains in place and be bolstered. Mm. I have written to the Garda Commissioner before Christmas advising that there is any notion that this issue of this feud was actually over. That notion needs to be dispelled mm. and that we need the amount of Garda Shikona we have and additional resources if possible. I also just want to repeat, mm. John Miles and his family mm. are not criminals. Yeah. They're hard-working people. Yeah, but this isn't the end of it. I mean, it, it will end when those people are arrested. I mean, there and was a, there, there was a, a lull over the Christmas. Uh, there yeah. were shots of money more last weekend, yeah. uh, and uh, then we have uh, this well, attempted I, I, Michael, murder. Can yesterday. I say this to you, Mike? I don't believe there's ever a lull. I believe mm. there are activities ongoing all the time. For if there wasn't, Angadish O'Connor wouldn't be making arrests and interviewing people. They, we have been doing that. So that's been going on for the last number of months. I believe this has gone mm. on all the time. But then again, it manifests into this so everybody can see that it's bubbled up and now we have a, an attempt at uh, killing. OK, we'll give uh, the final word on this to one of our listeners. What else have you got there, Mary? Yes, Tom has just wanted to make the point that uh, it was very brave of John to come in and speak to you and he hopes that people in the town will rally around the man, especially because he is probably going to be out of work for a couple of weeks. And Michael, just before we come off, mm. can I just mention, just moving to something completely different, there's been a crash on the Castle Blaney N2 bypass northbound and there's traffic diversions in place so motorists are being advised to okay. avoid that area. Alright, please do. Uh, thanks for that, Marie. And uh, thanks uh, Paul Thank Bell, Mayor right. of Drogheda for coming into us uh, this morning as well. If you'd like to add to what's been said, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 1850 Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now, as you've been hearing, uh, AIM2 uh, TD for Mead West, Patter Tobin, has organised a, a meeting this evening in uh, the Newgrange Hotel, which will look at the cost of insurance in this country. And he's on the line. A very good morning to you and th- thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, we've been hearing on uh, LMFM's news uh, this morning that you'll be hearing from Linda Murray and uh, Peter Boland uh, from uh, the Alliance for Insurance Reform this evening as well. Yeah, Peter Boland and Linda Murray have been doing Trojan work uh, over the last number of years with regards to trying to fight the scourge of increasing insurance costs. 
And Linda is a, a local businesswoman who's had no option but to fight uh, the insurance industry to, to make sure that her business uh, could survive. Um, so we're having that public meeting tonight in the New Grange. We're asking people uh, from the business sector, from creches, uh, drivers, people who are really at the hard edge of uh, the insurance industry uh, to come along tonight to make sure that we grow a campaign across the country uh, to bring down insurance costs. And this is very much an economic issue, first and foremost. Um, there's rakes of businesses that will be listening to your show today who were paying maybe insurance of a couple of thousand euros a number of years ago who have seen that insurance rise to maybe 16,000 or, or 20,000 euros a year now. Mm. And that has obviously eaten into you know tight margins for those businesses. And many of those businesses so far have had to close uh, or are teetering at the edge of closing. But it's also a social issue because I would speak to a lot of people in my constituency office um, you know, who are drivers and who are being put off the road due to the fact that insurance for drivers is exorbitant. And one of, one of my major fears around this is everything got to do with children, for some reason, is being hit extremely hard with insurance. Yeah. So those play centres that Linda Murray has... It's been, un- unaffordable to have fun in this country, as Linda often says. Absolutely. So we, we have a double whammy of insur- uh, uh, playgrounds even coming under threat with regards to insurance soft play centres being closed and one insurance company actually said that any business that caters for children of a certain age will become obsolete uh, after a while and um, dance classes for children sporting events even outdoor sporting events uh, could be, be closed in the future so we know there's a couple of problems with the insurance industry the, the payment the payments are too high soft tissue industry bruises uh, can be up to 20 grand here while similarly in the likes of Germany there are 1000 euros uh, for soft tissue uh, injury. We know that the legal system is taking far too much money out of this. Sometimes a, an insurance claim can be for 20 grand, but the illegal costs involved in fighting that claim could be up to 40 grand. So that basically uh, disincentivizes insurance companies from actually chasing and um, you know, fighting claims that are put in. And after a while, if claims are not fought by the insurance industry, there becomes a culture that you know payouts are, are going to happen. I hope you. I, I, I hope you'll forgive me for uh, saying. Tell us something we don't know, uh, because this is a, a, a problem that we've all been aware of for at least three years now. That uh, it's gone completely out of control, and uh, there's been many efforts uh, to bring about some sort of change, uh, whether that's through campaigning or lobbying or private members' motions or bills in the Oireachtas uh, or Oireachtas committees. Uh, but uh, to a large extent, the problem continues. But Michael, the, the, the rate of change is glacial in this. And uh, so we've had a government. I believe Fine Gael have an instinct of sitting on their hands. They're laissez-faire governments. They don't like to get involved. So we have a number of sectors in Irish society uh, which are not functioning properly. The insurance industry is just one of them. The beef industry is, is another. The housing sector uh, is another. Sitting on their hands or sitting on their swings? <laughs> well, this, well, this shows you that at the heart of governments, mm. there, there, there is that... Um, that lack of uh, clarity on which side of the fence they sit on because they have at least two TDs who uh, have been using the insurance industries uh, for claims that many believe uh, are uh, exorbitant claims. One of the major problems that exists in the insurance industry is that there's a cartel in my view. There's six insurance companies. They own about 90% of the market. And it actually took for the European Union to come in uh, this year and investigate that particular cartel. The government wouldn't investigate it themselves. We have a competition authority in this country whose job it is 
to make sure that there isn't an over-concentration of power among suppliers in each sector. And yet they wouldn't uh, get involved in this particular issue. We also have a a lack of of transparency. You know, uh, right now, there's only about 5% of personal injury claims actually get to court. About uh, 10% of them are dealt with the Personal Injuries Assessment Board. But the rest are just handed out um, willy-nilly by the insurance companies. And I've heard of occasions where people have had claims made against them, paid out by insurance companies, without the individuals even knowing, which is just absolutely Mm. bonkers. Um, So it's really important that we make sure that we break that particular cartel. We need a Garda uh, fraud unit in this country to make sure that fraud doesn't happen. Right now, only one person has been brought to court and convicted for fraud in the insurance industry in the last five years. Okay, but as I say, it's been an issue for years, and quite often the problem with issues uh, that have been issues for years is that we become blasé about them because uh, they become what you expect. Uh, Is that the case with insurance, or do you think that this might be an election issue because it seems uh, certain that we're going to have an election? Uh, We may get details of that later today. Well, first of all, the, the first time I, I held a public meeting on this issue was uh, back in July 2016 when the car insurance claims were skyrocketing. And that was after that particular general election. And I've been raising it in the doll ever since and working with the likes of Linda Murray to try and, and, and put this in the centre of the public debate in this country to put the pressure on the government. And that's why we're asking people to come to the New Grange Hotel tonight. There's no doubt, obviously, that there's an election is imminent. I welcome the fact that an election is going to be called uh, we have, you know, had a lame duck doll for the last uh, two years where, you know, the government are mm. completely uh, unable to get anything of value through the doll uh, because the way the figures are, are stacking up, the doll has become an irrelevancy. Uh, and we need to get Fine Gael out. We need to, you know, start to focus on the major issues that are affecting the likes of me. It's the fact that me... Well, you may get Fine Gael out. Uh, if you do, you'll get Fianna Fáil in, uh, or else you won't get Fine Gael out. Uh, and that seems uh, the only thing certain about uh, no, the next I, election. But uh, I would caution that, Michael. I would really caution that, because, uh, and I've listened to RT, mm. especially over the last few days, and I think it's, it's a mistake to actually just frame this election as an election around Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Mm. You know, m- m- what I would say to people is, you know, is the best that we can do as a country to have a either one or Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael uh, in government? You know, are we cursed as a country to literally have the same government over and over again? No, you know, for, no, you, for the get, rest you, of our you life? get the government that you vote for, and the way it is is people are going to vote in a Fianna Fáil-led government or a Fine Gael-led government because that's what people want. Well, first of all, if you look right through Europe, major change has happened where political movements have gained traction very radically and mm. started to, to oust the establishment parties that are there uh, for a long number of years. There's no doubt in my mind that the establishment parties in this country uh, have delivered great damage to the fabric of this country. Uh, and we as a, as a society have a choice in this election. Do we choose the, the same political parties that have been in charge of this society since the foundation of the state and... Do we expect exactly the same results with regards mm. to the division we see uh, between rural Ireland and urban Ireland, north, south, people who can afford housing, people who can't, people who can afford health care, people who can't? Or do we actually say that we as a country are better than this? 
we as a country have the smarts, we have the energy, uh, we have yeah. the decency to try and change. But you, not even you, you, you don't believe that. I mean, nobody in their right mind believes that because, I mean, it's going to be a Fianna Fáil-led government or a Fine Gael-led government unless somebody does a deal with Sinn Féin. Uh, the party uh, who people will be watching in this election will be the Green Party because of the public mood in terms of climate change and protecting the environment. And they are expected to have a good election. But the Green Party itself uh, reckons that on its best day, it's going to get 10 seats instead of the two that it has at the moment. Uh, you're going to return at least one TD. Uh, it, it may come as a shock to people if you return 10 TDs, but you won't return more than that. Well, first of all... Uh, we, and, we, I mean, it's we'll going to be the same with the Labour Party, the same with uh, any of the other groupings. Uh, so where where are the options uh, if it's not going to be uh, a government led by Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael? Well, first of all, I would ask people to start to think outside of the political cartel that has run this country for the last 70 years. If we don't do that, we are cursed to repeat the problems that we've had for the last number of years. Secondly, I didn't get involved uh, in politics just for the status quo to remain. I got involved in politics uh, a number of years ago to change the system in this country. Uh, AIM2 will be running at least 20 candidates uh, throughout the state. Uh, I believe we'll, we, we will be in the hunt for uh, at least three to four TDs across uh, the country mm. and I believe that we could be in a position where we could hold the balance of power and direct uh, the government. The only problem I feel is that the likes of the Greens holding the balance of power previously they didn't understand senior hurling at, uh, to use the uh, the Brennan quote. Unfortunately they got hockeyed around the pitch by Fianna Fáil in the last government uh, that they played in. Mm. You need a party with a strong backbone a strong moral and political compass who will stand up for what it believes in to make sure it can actually direct the uh, the future of the next government in Ireland. Okay, tell us uh, what you're expecting uh, in terms of how this will play out. Uh, the Taoiseach uh, is meeting the Cabinet. Uh, will we get an announcement later, do you think? Uh, if we do, will it be the 7th or will it be the 14th of February? I think people are, are frankly, really tired mm. of this will-he-won't-he situation. I think that Leo Radker is trying to milk the media attention for as much mm. as he can get. I, I'm not sure they are. I mean, I find it terribly, terribly tedious. But if I didn't ask it, people would be calling and giving out to me. Like, I understand <laughs> it's your job to ask the question. The blame I would put on this is actually that Leo Radker is actually, you know, he's doing, mm. he's taking a, a a page out of the PR handbook, and that is to, to prevaricate for a large number of days in this, to focus as much attention on Leo Varadkar and Fine Gael as possible with regards to this particular election. It's very clear that Ireland needs an election. It's very clear that we we have, you know, absolute national crisis right around housing, healthcare, mm. accountability, uh, transport uh, in this country, uh, and regional uh, development. The government needs to call the election now. It needs to get off the pot. And we need to make sure that we, we as a country, don't repeat the failings of the past. We need to think outside of the political cartel and we need to choose new political organisations such as AIM2 around the mm. country. Which, which of the two expected dates are you expecting? I reckon it'll probably happen on the 14th uh, okay. of uh, February and uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a fast campaign. The, the weather won't, won't be good, uh, but it's important, I suppose, that we have a... We, we take stock of where we are at as a country because we've had a cycle of boom and bust which has led to thousands of our people having to, to emigrate 
uh, in this country, which has led to massively increasing house prices and rents in this country. And what we need to do is to see what kind of Ireland do we really want. Do we want a, a country that has sustainable, steady growth, uh, but doesn't find itself uh, in crashes on a regular basis? One that we can actually provide jobs on a long-term basis uh, for uh, our young people. Well, absolutely. And yeah, we can, we you know, I, I suppose that's uh, what people will have to decipher for themselves because every political party is going to promise to do all of those it is, things. But, yeah, but, yeah, but we, yeah. know the record, we know the record of most of the political parties to date. Okay. And you mentioned that our own constituency there, there's nothing guaranteed in, in Midwest with regards to the, the results in our constituency. Uh, I hope to do well and uh, I hope to be able to represent Meath in the next doll. Uh, but there's nothing guaranteed there. Okay, well, you'll be meeting people in uh, the New Grange uh, if uh, they're interested in meeting with you to talk about the cost of insurance at 8 o'clock this evening. But thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. Patrick Tobin, the leader and founder of AIM2, is a TD for Meath West. Michael Reed on LMFM. Frontline Defenders was uh, founded in Dublin close on 20 years ago with uh, the aim of uh, protecting human rights uh, defenders at risk around the world. These are people who work non-violently for any or all of the rights enshrined in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, Today it publishes its Global Analysis for 2019 and we'll hear more about this with Andrew Anderson, who's Executive Director at Frontline Defenders uh, and on the line with us. And a very good morning to you, Andrew, and thanks for joining us. Uh, your report uh, is quite a, a comprehensive report and looks at, at a lot of uh, the troubled parts of the world and people who are defending rights across the world. But it, it begins by publishing 304 names. Perhaps you tell us about the 304 people who are uh, featured at the beginning of your report. Good morning, Michael. Yes, uh, sadly, they're the names of 304 human rights defenders from around the world who've been killed in 2019. And it's a shocking uh, indictment of the state of the world that so many people who are working peacefully to advance human rights and social justice in countries around the world have been killed uh, because of their activism. And those are people who've been targeted and deliberately killed. They're not people who've been killed in the crossfire. There are people who've been um, threatened and uh, gone after. Uh, we see in that 75% of those cases there have been a pattern of threats and attacks against human rights defenders before they're killed. Mm. Would it be fair to conclude from your report that Colombia is uh, the most dangerous country in uh, the world? Uh, there's a, a lot of people who have been killed in a, a lot of parts of the world. Some of uh, the stats are, are shocking. 23 people in Brazil, for example, 31 yeah. in Honduras, 43 in the Philippines, and 106 people killed in Colombia. And, and the sad thing in Colombia is that that's in spite of a peace process. So we've seen uh, moves by the government and the armed opposition to to move forward on the peace process, but the level of violence continues to be very high and the targeting of human rights activists has continued to be very high and we're uh, appalled at the level of killings of human rights defenders in Colombia in spite of efforts to strengthen protection and we call on the Colombian government and the international community that's trying to assist uh, the peace process there to do more to investigate threats and to bring perpetrators to justice because the sad truth is that those who are killing human rights activists are getting away with it. 
Uh, there are some common denominators uh, in some of uh, these troubled parts of uh, the world, you would contend. Uh, and poverty, I take it, is one of them, and economic inequality that results from that, uh, corruption uh, and indeed political rights. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the, the trends we saw across the world in 2019 was a growth in mass popular protests, usually against uh, inequality, corruption, the abuse of political power. We saw that in, in Chile, we saw it in Zimbabwe, we saw it in Iraq, and we saw it in Sudan. And, and in some of those places, uh, we've seen uh, those protests lead to positive change, but we've also mm. seen a very violent backlash against those organising protests in many of those countries too. Yeah, and the response from the authorities, uh, again, you see common denominators, and quite often it's that they come out all guns blazing. Yeah, I mean, sadly, the, the pattern is that uh, when people uh, mobilise and organise uh, on issues around co- uh, corruption or abuse of power, the reaction of those in power is often to resort to, to violence. Although it has to be said that, you know, if you take, for example, Sudan, although the reaction of the authorities was violent, in the end, peaceful protest won the game, won the day, and we've seen a transition to uh, a civilian government in Sudan. Uh, we've seen in, in other places not necessarily a change of government, but the government changing some at least of what it's doing. So, mm. you know, it's not entirely a negative story. We've seen some progress on some issues in some parts of the world as a result of the uh, peaceful uh, protest and the mobilisation of human rights activists, but at the same time we've also seen a very violent reaction as well. Mm, Indeed, uh, you record uh, how dozens of people were shot dead by the security forces in uh, the Sudan, including uh, three human rights defenders uh, after a sit-in that they were involved in. Uh, One of uh, the most high-profile protests, uh, I think, uh, from where we were sitting, or from the television that was in front of us in this part of the world, uh, was in Hong Kong this year. Yeah, and, you know, we have concerns uh, about the violence that's been used against protesters there, and in particular, the way that the authorities in Hong Kong have gone after those who've been trying to document uh, the violence uh, used against protesters in Hong Kong. And there's been an effort in Hong Kong and in other parts of the world uh, to target those who are documenting what's happening. Um, And it's really important that if we want to see the rule of law uh, if we want to see those who've been responsible for violence brought uh, to justice, that those human rights activists who are documenting that are able to go about their business uh, in a in a in a safe way, and that's unfortunately not been uh, the circumstances in Hong Kong nor in a number of other countries. We're on the brink of an election here in this country and already I think you can see a change in the discourse and how people are dealing with each other and they're getting aggressive and a bit touchy on occasion. Elections tend to bring out the worst in people and in some places worse uh, than the type of talk that we're seeing here. It can be quite uh, a violent uh, uh, affair, as you've been recording in your report. Yes, unfortunately, one of the triggers often for increased violence is uh, the electoral cycle. And we've seen in countries such as the Congo uh, an increase in violence and an increase in attacks on human rights defenders, journalists and others in the context of election campaigns where where those who are in power see their power being at risk. 
Uh, and that's one of, unfortunately, the things that we need to take into account when we're looking to support uh, human rights activists around the world. One of the things we'll be looking at in 2020 is where elections are coming and where we, we can predict there is likely to be increased risk. And therefore, we can try and put in place uh, support that will help human rights uh, activists in managing those risks. Yeah, we, I suppose... Uh We'll probably not be too surprised to hear of uh, some far-flung parts of uh, the world uh, where human rights are are violated on the scale that you're talking about. Uh, But tell us uh, about uh, the reaction from uh, the Polish government uh, to supporters of the LGBTI community. Well, what we've seen in some cities in Poland has been quite uh, shocking in that you've had uh, city authorities uh, trying to ban... Uh, any expression of LGBTI identity. Uh, There was a violent reaction against an LGBTI pride march in Krakow, and there have been a number of other cities that have said that they're going to be uh, free of LGBTI people, which is a ridiculous notion. So we've been trying to provide uh, practical support um, to human rights activists, uh, including human rights defenders from the LGBTI community, to enable them to be able to defend their rights, to be able to protest peacefully and to be able to go about their business peacefully. Mm. And people are arrested and charged for what they were posting on the internet, uh, in this case, uh, the Virgin Mary depicted uh, with a rainbow halo. Well, you know, I think one of the things that we hope we have within the European Union is guarantees for freedom of expression. Uh, and it's really worrying that in a member state of the European Union we're seeing harassment of people for the peaceful expression of their views. We don't have to always agree with how they express their views, but people should be free to peacefully express their views and and trying to present a a positive image about equality and inclusion shouldn't be something that's criminalised. And the people who have lost their lives uh, over the course of uh, the last year, as you say, were trying to defend human rights in a a peaceful, non-aggressive way. 13% of them were women. Many of them had been previously threatened and quite uh, a large number of them had been previously attacked for that matter. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's one of the indicators that it is possible to reduce the level of killings. It's not that these things come out of the blue. There is, in most cases, a pattern of threats and attacks before somebody is killed. And if the authorities, if the police, if the uh, judicial process was more effective in addressing those threats uh, and attacks in the run-up to killings, then we could prevent killings and we could reduce the level of violence. Mm. It's really important that those responsible are brought to justice. And the sad truth is that most of the perpetrators are getting away with it most of the time. Uh, and is it that people are so foolish that they put their lives in danger, knowing that their lives in da- are in danger because uh, they've been threatened, or is it that they hold such strong convictions uh, that they believe that they have no choice? I think in most cases it's because people have strong convictions. They're defending the rights of their communities. It's often in the context of land rights, environmental rights, indigenous people's rights. They don't see any alternative but to try and defend their community and their uh, area against the human rights violations that are being perpetrated against them. We do try to provide uh, increased support to human rights activists working in the most uh, difficult context. We try to put in place 
uh, security measures that will uh, reduce the risks that they face. And, and mm. many human rights activists are able to continue working in very difficult uh, environments as a result of that kind of support. But unfortunately, the level of killings continues to be at a, uh, almost one human rights defender being killed every day around the world. And that's just something that can't be allowed to continue. Yeah, well, we really are talking about uh, some of uh, the greatest people in the world who are trying to make uh, the world a better place for the rest of us. Uh, and uh, they are uh, celebrated, uh, I suppose, in your report, but in particular, the 304 people who are deceased uh, and whose names uh, appear at uh, the uh, front of your report and it's shocking to see so many names uh, listed like that over the course of a, a year as you say almost one life a day uh, we leave it there for the moment though Andrew and thank you indeed uh, for joining thank us thank you very much this morning. that's Andrew Anderson Executive Director at Frontline Defenders Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM time now as is usual around this time on a Tuesday for our weekly visit to the Garda Crime Desk as usual there's a number of incidents uh, that Garda are investigating which perhaps you can assist with we're joined Joined by Sergeant Rodney Hodgkinson of Laytown Station for the report this week. And we begin with a shooting that occurred in Drogheda yesterday evening. Uh, that's correct, Michael. Um, you've already covered this this morning, but we are appealing for witnesses. Um, anyone who may have been in the vicinity of the Bridge of Peace yesterday evening, uh, Monday, at about quarter past six in the afternoon, um, as you were shooting the car there, um, so anyone who may have been there with mobile phones, who have made dash cam, may have witnessed the shooting. Um, after the shooting, we believe that the culprits got away in a black uh, Volkswagen Golf, uh, either Northern or English registration with yellow plate at the rear. Um, we believe it travelled on Trinity Street, continued on to Mel, and then went on to the M1, where it went in a northerly direction, and subsequently was found out burnt out at Fahard. Um, we'd appeal to anyone who may have been travelling on the M1 between uh, 6.15 to about 7.15 who may have seen this golf or who may have dash cam um, and we'd ask people to check maybe um, if they have such footage and it's the Guardian at Draha that are investigating. Okay, next uh, to a missing person. I, I think concern is growing uh, for Keen Mulready. That's, yes, um, um, Michael Degardi and his family have grave concerns for, for Keane. Uh, Keane hasn't been seen since Sunday last at about 7pm. Um, he's been reported missing to Degardi in Drogheda. Um, when last, sorry, Keane is about 5 foot 7 in height, uh, about 9 stone weight, short hair, and um, when last seen, he was wearing a red and navy uh, hooded zip top jacket and canvas shoes. Um, anyone who may have any information in relation to the whereabouts of Keane or who may uh, have seen Keane since 6 or 7pm on Sunday last, uh, if they could contact Draw uh, the Gardaí, as there is grave concern for his safety. Okay, we're uh, in Kells, uh, where Gardaí are investigating a, a number of crimes. Yeah, um, these would all appear to be, we are satisfied, Michael, that these crimes I'm going to outline are related. Um, it started with a burglary at Maple Drive at Garden Drive, or sorry, Maple Drive Garden Rat Kells on Wednesday morning last, the 8th, uh, between 1am and 3am. In the course of that burglary, the keys of a Ford, silver Ford Focus hatchback saloon were stolen. Uh, 
and subsequently the car was stolen. Stolen. It was zero nine WX one two one one two. That car then travelled to Mount Dutton, uh, Stony Road, Oldcastle, where at three o eight a.m. again on Wednesday last the eighth, uh, the culprits or the occupants were involved in a burglary there. The car was subsequently found burnt out at three thirty a.m. at Tremont, Oldcastle, and as about three ten a.m. The culprit stole another vehicle, a beige Mercedes C one eighty saloon with the registration number O eight C one two four eight seven. So we require we would ask anybody who was out and about. I know it's early in the morning uh, last week, Michael, but anyone who was out and about, or anyone who may of the know of the present whereabouts of the beige Mercedes O eight C one two four eight seven, which is still outstanding, okay. and it's the Guardia Cals. All right, and we have a, a number of uh, burglaries uh, to report on next. Uh, the first of those in Athboy. Yes, uh, Michael, this occurred again on Wednesday last between uh, quarter past one and quarter past four in the afternoon at Kilkeelan, Athboy. Uh, the occupant of the house came home. Uh, she observed two maids getting out the rear window of the property and running across fields. Um, we do believe that the culprits left in uh Blue Mitsubishi space wagon with partial registration number 03WW. Um, so our appeal is to anyone who may have seen that car in the area or who may know of its whereabouts, uh, it's the Gardaí asset cars again. Sorry, Michael, on that mm. one. Um, unusual item stolen. We had 500 New Zealand dollars. Okay. So they may be, someone may try to exchange them or someone may offer them for a lot less than they're worth. All right. Now, okay. And uh, I suppose anybody who's working in foreign exchange would be asked to watch out for that yeah. as well. Uh, the next burglary then uh, to report on happened in Dundalk. Yes, Michael. Uh, on Thursday last, uh, at 4.24 a.m. in the morning, um, a, a shop or a business premise was entered at the Echo Road and stolen were three Milwaukee chop saws. Um, they have a unique product code MS216SB. That's MS216SB. Uh, they have a regular three pin plug, so they're not uh, a tradesman's plug uh, for a, a converter. And it may well be offered for sale, and it's the Gardaí as uh, Dundalk are investigating there. Okay, we'll conclude with uh, a burglary, uh, the last of uh, the burglaries uh, to finish our report uh, this week. Uh, this happened in Drogheda. Yes, on uh, Saturday last, Michael, the 11th, uh, between 10 days and 8pm in the evening at Rose Hall in Drogheda. Uh, a house was entered, um, jewellery stolen. stolen. Um, five males were, were observed entering the house wearing gloves, faces obscured by hoods, and one male was carrying a crowbar. And we believe they left the scene in the silver Volkswagen Golf 060. So our appeal would be to anyone in the area who may have noticed the... Uh, Males or the silver golf leaving the area, and it's the guardian drawhead again, Michael. Okay, thank you indeed, Sergeant Rodney Hodgkinson of Laytown Garda Station will return to the Garda Crime Desk in around the same time on next Tuesday's program. Now, before we leave you today, let's uh, go back to you and some of uh, the calls uh, that you've been receiving, Marie. Michael, lots coming in still in relation to your interview at the top of the show with the taxi driver John Miles, who was shot. Uh, yesterday evening uh, a text from a listener to say good morning uh, 
listening in and my heart went out to John Miles as his first thoughts, Michael, were for his family when he was shot. That speaks volumes for the man and I wish him well. As for the feud, if people think that when the ringleaders are locked up and dead, that would be the the end of it. I'm afraid they are sadly mistaken Mm. as there's only too many who will be happy to fill their boots because of the lure of big money. That's unfortunately the sad reality. Best wishes, though, to John and his family. Okay, well, let's hope our our caller is wrong and that an end can be brought to this because the idea of fellas walking up the street and firing bullets at other people uh, is beyond belief. Uh, Another caller, Ailish, God help the taxi driver. The drug dealers, I feel, get the best minding from the state than the law-abiding people. They are even told in advance to be careful. Mm. Um, Peggy was in touch to say that in relation to the taxi driver being shot, that this was a man who was going about his work, that it could be any other innocent person who was affected on the the bridge of peace yesterday evening to think that in broad daylight, well, it was even, mm, it would have been mm, dark, dark at that stage, there, yeah, but yeah, at the time mm, of the mm, day, I think mm, she's referring to that it was just mm, around the six o'clock mark, she's saying, yeah. and that this could happen in such a busy area at such a busy time. Mm. It, very frightening for ordinary citizens. Oh, very frightening uh, because all of the cars uh, behind uh, John's car were stuck and had nowhere to go and didn't know what was going to happen next. Uh, what we do know is that John was left for dead. He was bleeding in the car. He'd been shot and uh, the passengers uh, who were said to be the intended target ran for their lives uh, to a Garda station to seek protection. Peter says that he can only imagine what that poor man is going through today. The trauma of something like that would probably affect him for a long time to come and wants to wish him well. All right, we'll leave it on that note and uh, I'm sure everybody will echo that sentiment and uh, send their best wishes to John and his family. Thanks for that, Marie, and uh, to everybody who has been in touch with us. That has to be the final word on the programme today. Our time has run out on us once again. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.